This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so do enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. Once again, freetalklive.com. Starting things out here tonight, a pretty disturbing story at lewrockwell.com that sort of wraps up two disturbing stories that I've seen over the past week or so that I didn't really want to bring out on the air because I didn't really understand them. Uh, there was a, an e- I got several emails about this. From some listeners last week, there was an executive order that was signed last week where uh, George Bush claimed the power to confiscate the property of political dissidents. Right. Now, that's what I was told, and I was linked to the actual executive order, the text of it. And when it comes to legalese, uh, it might as well be a foreign language. I'm not going to read it. I'm not interested in reading it. I don't want to even try to translate it. So I just sort of said, hmm, that looks kind of bad that's what they're saying it is and i'm going to take their word for it but i'm going to wait till i see something a little more authoritative as right. far as you know written by someone that can read legalese uh, interpreted by somebody that i trust a little bit more than just the average emailer and so uh so now lewrockwell.com has an article that addresses this amongst a few other things let's get into it here and then we might talk about guantanamo since it sort of ties in with this whole war on terror and everything i know you've got the story on that Gardner. Hey, what a way to start the work week, huh? <laughs> yes, it's great news here. Uh, as uh, This is from William Norman Grigg. He says, as the Iraq war ripens into the largest strategic catastrophe in our nation's history, dead enders among the Bush faithful confront a sobering question. No, that question is not how to extract our nation from the Mesopotamian morass, but rather how to deal with internal dissent. It's really quite simple. Side 35-year-old Hillary Ann, a professional woman from California with sufficient disposable income to drop at least $1,200 of it to spend a week confined on a cruise ship with the editorial staff of National Review. For those that don't know, National Review is a, uh, is a publication that's pretty much written by neocons. It is now. I guess it used to be different. It used to be a lot different, and it's been taken over by Byron York and all the other guys there. Yeah, it was yeah. far more libertarian at one point. I used to get the National Review, yeah. um, and I stopped. Yeah. Well, here's what this woman said, who presumably is a National Review reader, and she was obviously at this uh, cruise with the National Review bigwigs schmoozing it up. Here's what she said. Quote, Of course, we need to execute some of these people. A few of these prominent people who are trying to demoralize the country, she, re- she com- uh, commented with languid indifference as she waded waist-deep in the Pacific. Wow. Continuing her quote, Just take a couple of these anti-war people off to the gas chamber for treason to show. If you try to bring down America at a time of war, that's what you'll get. Then things will change. What, didn't, wasn't she in the bunker with Hitler when they opened it up? I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was just maybe I have my Sounds history like a crazy woman. Up. You know, I was listening f- for a moment today uh, to Rush Limbaugh. You know, it's either it's in this town, it's either listen to Rush Limbaugh and talk, or don't listen to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to him, and and uh, it was it, some guy calls in and says. Uh, apparently, they were referring to when uh, George Bush has has some little bumps in his butt, um, in his butt, and, and they, he, he was uh, he turned over control to Cheney for two hours, I guess, during an operation. While uh, they they remove these bumps, um, but the guy says this Cheney missed his chance during those two hours. He could have bombed um, Iraq into a um, you know giant glass 
parking lot or something like that. He said. Oh, geez. Um, and uh, then Rush uh, suggested that perhaps they should have done. He, they sh- he should have chosen Iran instead. He's like, ah, he could have saved that for the second hour. So, oh, you know, I'm in the car with my wife, and I'm like, that's. I realize it's a joke and everything, but he's not kidding. He's not kidding. No, they're not. That. Um, maybe maybe Rush's uh, maybe Rush would not choose. He said it would never happen or whatever. I don't know what. But this other guy was definitely suggesting, definitely suggesting that we should uh, nuke Iraq. Why? Because we failed to execute the war, um, you know, or the peace at the very least in Iraq properly. Isn't we failed, amazing, so let's it, kill them all. It, maybe Rush had three quarters of his brain tied behind his back just to make it fair. I don't know, but uh, that's that's pretty scary stuff. You know, the entire sequence of any sort of constitutional approach to the use of the United States defense forces has been just completely tossed out the window since uh, 9-11 oh, yeah. and actually before that. But, well, yeah, long before that. Yeah. Yeah, and so they're just continuing the tradition of uh, driving as fast down the road to tyranny as they possibly can. And you know, Ian, this is just another facet of it. This story is really shocking. When you look, I have the text of the executive order in front of me. Yes, and and it is it's right out there. And, and folks, if you think that this is being misinterpreted, you are incorrect. The the what you're going to hear from Ian tonight is on the money on this thing. It's and it's just it's just the next dis- disturbing step down that road. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've been taking it step after step, very slowly. It's been They've sped it up after 9-11, but apparently most people haven't noticed, um, and so they're getting away with it. Yeah. Uh, but th- what's most amazing is the quotes from, this quote from uh, one of these Bush supporters, uh, again, 35-year-old professional woman from California who's saying that if you are a dissenter, if you're one of the prominent dissenters, which one could argue Free Talk Live might be a prominent dis- or at least a semi-prominent dissenter. I would think so. Uh, This woman wants you to be executed, to send a message to the rest of America that if you dissent during a time of war, if you, quote, demoralize the country as though the country is uh, its own person, the the country is an individual, and the country has a consciousness, uh, then that's what you'll get. Then things will change, she says. There's nothing, according to uh, the author, about there's nothing novel about the kind of change desired by this fully indoctrinated member of the Reich wing for devotees of a certain variant of statist conservatism seizing dissenters and shipping them off to gas chambers is old hat. What makes this offhand expression of an authentically fascist sta- uh, sentiment so remarkable is the fact that it was typical conversational chatter among the 500 or so National Review groupies who took part in the cruise, according to British journalist Johan. Hari, who tagged along incognito. So a British journalist went ahead and bought himself a ticket to the nice, cruise and nice. acted as though he was one of the crowd just so he could get in on some interesting conversations. Yeah, and, and those cruise thing. things are very expensive. I don't know how much they are, $1,000, $1,500 for this yeah, one. That's it, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's amazing because I would like to think that conservatives are, in a way, my kindred spirits in many in many regards but uh the longer this goes on the more we hear about these things the more radicalized the conservatives become the more those of us who would say hey hold on a second slow down here are are depicted as being the dissenters who need to be silenced <laughs> yeah it's, well, like, it's, it's disturbing on. to you because you like mark and i came from that sort yeah, of world right. um we were all raised by Parents who considered themselves uh, conservatives. Right. I don't know if I'm if that was the case with you, Mark, but you were a conservative. My my grandmother and my mother were definitely conservatives. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's disturbing because you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, I could have gotten caught up in this insanity, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so again, what this woman is saying is just scratching the surface of uh, 
of the the mentality of the attitude of these people they're willing to throw all freedoms to the wayside in the name of persecuting this uh, international conflict. And we've had people call this show before, and I've, there's more to the story, but we've had people call this show that have said things like, you know, they want to drop a nuclear weapon on uh, the Middle East. They've said things like they think it's okay to have a Muslims-only line at the airport. Now, how the hell you're going to figure that out how are you going to, you know, determine who's a Muslim and check who's people's religion? Not. I think people's it would be suspected Muslims only. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but the idea, nonetheless, is one that's being passed around amongst these folks, and it's really really scary. I think that likely the uh, Muslim only line would go a heck of a lot faster than the regular line, simply because there'd be far fewer people in it. Um, you, were, you were right about me coming out of Vegas. I moved for a lot, lot faster. You than got you wanded, did. and yep. you know they went through your crap, but. I had to stand in line with everybody else, all the masses masses of sheep, and get the regular, uh, um, you know, going over. And it took me significantly longer to go through the line than it did you. You were standing in line for the plane when I'm I got look there. Suspicious as much as possible. It's it's incredible, you know. Uh, it, it, as you say, coming from that background, I was just thinking about my father. As you guys know, I'm working on a book, and a lot of the things that are in the book um, are are quotes from my father when he started writing things when he was in World War II in this little black book, little adages and things like that, and uh, and they were really good. But now I, I you know I look back at my dad, and I was like, no, my dad wasn't conservative; he was libertarian. Mm. You know, there's a dis- there's a marked distinction now between those who call themselves conservatives and those who really believe in liberty. That's why whenever somebody says something like, well, don't most libertarians come from the conservative cloth? I get kind of offended um, because it, it's that sort of a- attitude that tries to align us with conservatives. And really, the more time goes on, the less and less we have in common with them. Uh, and by the way, libertarians come from all over the map. We'll explain more on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything that's sold. Free number is 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams right there for you. Down- well, you don't download the stream. You listen to the stream. I guess you are technically downloading it as you listen. But nonetheless, uh, they are free when there's a broadband version and a dial-up version as well. Both free at freetalklive.com. And as the dollar continues to drop, I think there was more news today about it continuing to drop. In fact, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. We're talking about a story at lewrockwell.com, which is going to recap a couple of the disturbing developments out of Washington, D.C. recently, actually specifically from the, uh, the Oval Office. These executive signing statements, or the executive orders, rather. Uh, We'll get into that here in a moment. He starts out the article by quoting a 35-year-old professional woman from California who was on the cruise, the National Review cruise. And I think it's worth reading again for anyone just tuning in. uh, Talking about what should happen to dissenters. She says, of course we need to execute some of these people. A few of these prominent people who are trying to demoralize the country. Just take a couple of these anti-war people off to the gas chamber for treason to show. If you try to bring down America at a time of war, that's what you'll get. Then things will change. 
meaning that she knows that uh, if you execute a few people in America for being dissenters, that those who were considering being dissenters, who were maybe getting energized by all of uh, the dissenters in America and were considering standing up and joining their ranks, will just quietly sit right back down and go back to their television because you, they'll Ava be scared. Braun. That's it, Ava Braun all the way. She's likely telling the truth that it would um, you know, stifle uh, dissent, um, dissent as far as the war goes, but good Lord, is this America she's talking about? It's difficult to predict what will be mo- the most significant legacy left by George W. Bush, assuming the word can be properly applied to the accumulated residue of lawless violence and official corruption that have typified his reign. Will it be metastasizing foreign hostility and proliferating foreign conflicts? Will it be the collapse of the economy beneath the weight of profligate spending? Will it be the official adoption of such malapropisms as terrorists and nuclear <laughs> as part of our long-suffering language? My suspicion is that Bush's most important and lasting contribution has been the creation of a purely limbic form of conservatism in which the amygdala, uh, the brain the uh, portion of the brain yeah. foc- focusing on fear and related base emotions, plays the defining role in interpreting reality. The movement has succeeded in validating the worst caricatures con- uh, concocted by the likes of Theodore Adorno and Daniel Bell by reducing itself into an authoritarian cult. Obsessive fear and reflexive tribal loyalty to the leader-slash-protector are the defining impulses of contemporary conservatism. Until, perhaps I should say, unless President Bush and crypto-President Cheney leave the office in 2009, things will grow progressively worse as the regime over which they preside makes increasingly extravagant claims of extra-constitutional power. Here are two of those claims. On July 19th, the Bush-Cheney regime informed Congress that, quote, a U.S. attorney would not be permitted to bring contempt charges or convene a grand jury in an executive privilege case, unquote. What this means is that Bush will forbid the Justice Department to pursue criminal contempt of Congress charges against four current or former White House officials who defied congressional subpoenas, as Bush instructed them to do. So he instructed these guys to defy subpoenas, and as a result, he's telling the Justice Department that you can't bring charges against these guys. We're protecting them. That's right. And if you go after them, you'll have to deal with us. Neither Richard Nixon, nor Bill Clinton, nor King George III, for that matter, ever ventured such a claim to complete immunity from legislative oversight. Although Saddam Hussein probably did. More frightening still is an executive order issued on July 17th in which Bush claimed the power to confiscate the property of political dissidents. No, that's not how the order's provisions were described, but the powers adumbrated in that decree would permit such whole-scale expropriations, entitled the Blocking Property of Certain Persons Who Threaten Stabilization Efforts in Iraq. The order asserts that the president can seize control of financial assets and any other property belonging to, quote, Any person determined by the Secretary of the Treasury, in consultation with the Secretary of State and the Secretary uh, Secretary of Defense, to have committed or to pose a significant risk of committing an act or acts of violence that have the purpose and effect of threatening the peace or stability of Iraq or the government of Iraq, or undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform in Iraq, or to have materially assisted such act or acts of violence." Now, we've read stories on this show about people who've been targeted by the government uh, for uh, retaliation because they were so-called connected to people who, uh, you know, they they gave money to people that might have been connected to an al-Qaeda group or something like that. 
and they've been harassed by the government over that. Yeah, even a though lot, a lot of educational organizations have been nailed with stuff like that, and individuals as well. Yeah. Um, even though they might not have had any clue that the person they'd given money to, they might have been a family member of theirs, and they were giving them some Christmas money or something like that. And you know, turns out the family member's connected with Al Qaeda allegedly, and so that person gets harassed. Well, now they can have their property stolen. Now they can just have their house taken from them. Now they can have their assets frozen in their bank accounts. Without a trial. No trial necessary. And, uh, you know, we were mentioning, I was looking looking at this uh, on my laptop over here, and uh, it, one of the stunning things for, uh, I think, everybody to remember is uh, this uh, Section 1, Clause I, Section A, or Section B, uh, regarding, as as he wrote in the article, undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform in Iraq or to provide humanitarian assistance to the Iraqi people. Now, you can draw this out. You know what that means, folks. What that means is if you stand up in opposition to the next Iraqi supplemental aid bill, to the reconstruction bill, billions of dollars taken out of your wallet, if you happen to disagree for whatever the reason your property, more than just the taxes that would be taken out if the bill passed, your property is forfeit. Wouldn't that also, I mean, wouldn't this technically mean that the for, the property of, say, representatives that would vote against bills like that, like, you know, Ron Paul, um, would also be at risk? That's, because they're a undermining the economic reconstruction and political form in uh, Iraq by voting no. Yeah, he would probably, if you were a congressman, you'd probably claim, claim sovereign immunity. Uh, and Maybe. Yeah, something like that. But absolutely. If you've got any organization, whether it's uh, whether it's somebody writing for LouRockwell.com, I mean, the, the author of that article could right risk. now, under this executive order, could have his property taken. Right. Anybody who speaks out in favor... Of uh, of getting out of this war. This is bizarre. You know, I remember hearing the stories about Bill Clinton going after the Western Journalism Center. I remember hearing the stories about Bill Clinton and his Justice Department going after the travel office. And all the conservatives were up in arms. They were going nuts about what Bill Clinton was doing with the Bloodworth Thomases and replacing those staff members and having FBI and IRS people investigate them. And there was no reason to investigate these people. And yet what you've got here is an executive order that completely undermines the rule of yeah. law. Who needs an investigation? Proof. Now all they need is the uh, Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of State and Defense to agree that somebody has endangered the stability of Iraq or government of Iraq, threatened the peace of it, or whatever the other um, lame qualifications are. And as soon as those three men decide, you've, you've been chosen, you, uh, you have your assets stolen, which also ties in with the Military Commissions Act passed last year, which allows them to pick you up off of the street as long as President Bush and his panel of advisors agrees and throw you into a military brig somewhere. So let's combine these two little rules together and see what happens. Pretty scary stuff. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's in here with you. And guard. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. And those features do include things like the bulletin board system, over 250,000 posts for you to surf around through serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all. 
All for free at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. We're talking about a uh, story from LouRockwell.com by William Norman Grigg where he has consolidated a couple of the uh, disturbing things that the president has done recently as far as executive orders are concerned uh, that most Americans are probably blissfully unaware of. But it's something that definitely deserves your attention, uh, deserves to be talked about, deserves to be uh, have some light shown on it because it's, it's just another step down the road to, uh, towards total totalitarianism here in this country, if you can have total totalitarianism. Mm. But uh, we've seen um, step after step being taken about a year ago now almost. They passed the, I guess more like uh, eight months or so, but they passed the... Um, Military Commissions Act of 2006, which made it so that, and this wasn't an executive order. This was something that Congress rammed through, he signed, and... And that was a response to Supreme Court decisions in the Hamden case. That's correct. The yeah. Supreme Court was sort of closing in on the Bush administration, you know, like, starting hey, to... you got to give habeas corpus hearings to these guys. you either got to try them as prisoners of war, or you got to try them as U.S. criminals. You can't have this detainee, enemy combatant Right, crap. so they passed a law that said, screw you to that, and uh, basically made it so that any time Bush's little panel of whoever it is he's appointed, because he can appoint whoever he wants to this panel, uh, the enemy combatant advisory panel, I forget what it was called, but it's just a panel of his flunkies. Um, as soon as they point to you as being a, uh, a enemy combatant, so-called, which can be, or an unlawful enemy combatant, or whatever they termed it, as soon as they point to you, they can go and pick you up and put you in a prison cell somewhere, a military brig. They don't have to tell anybody they've taken you. They don't have to tell you where you are. Um, they can then uh, submit you to a military tribunal instead of a court, uh, which, again, doesn't involve any sort of habeas corpus, doesn't involve even a, necessarily a defense attorney. Uh, it doesn't even necessarily involve you showing up in the military tribunal. You may be sentenced you know, in absentia while you're sitting in the military brig. And as, a, as an aside, not to draw you away from this particular issue, Ian, but we ought to mention that uh, just over the past, over the weekend, essentially late Friday, uh, the AP reported that uh, Guantanamo detainees who are challenging their status as enemy combatants uh, are going to have to have all of the evidence presented to the judge, not just what the military chooses. That, according to a federal appeals court in the District of Columbia, in that circuit. So essentially, what that's that, a little good news, though. right? Right. And you mentioned these these um, these tribunals are called combatant status review tribunals. The CSRTs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what that's going to do is it'll bring it to the Supreme Court directly. But um, the AP says when detainees are brought before military CSRTs, they are not allowed to have lawyers with them. And the Pentagon decides what evidence, as you said, to put forward. Unlike in criminal trials, there is no obligation for the government to turn over evidence that the defendant might be innocent. If the military reviewers determine a prisoner is an enemy combatant, he can challenge that designation in the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. Anyway, uh, the end of it says uh, Friday's unanimous decision was issued by Justice Douglas Ginsburg, Judith Rogers, so on and so forth. The Justice Department argues that the detainees are being afforded more rights than required by law. The Military Commissions Act? To that, exactly. Oh, gosh. Um, so that's a little bit of good news for the detainees, but it, I mean, 
it's not exactly taking them out of the military tribunal. They're still going to be having their trial at a military tribunal, and whoever know, and who knows what sort of rules right. uh, that entails. Yeah. Um, so th- there, that's a little bit of good news, but it, it's going to be appealed to the Supreme Court, which is a little Bush-friendly, and who knows what they'll do with yeah, it. And don't forget, Antonin Scalia, who's usually really great on the Constitution, he said himself, I've got a son fighting over there in Iraq, and I'll be damned before I give all these guys the same rights afforded to U.S. citizens. Like stuff. I'm sorry, then you have to either try them as prisoners of war and go according to the Geneva Accords or try them as criminals under U.S. criminal code. doesn't matter whether they're U.S. citizens or not. They're either applicable under U.S. law or not. Well, apparently that's changed now. Yeah, they've got the new law from last year. So look for the Supreme Court to overturn that. But even if they don't, it doesn't affect what we're uh, we're discussing today, which can affect you. This is amazing. It's one thing to... I mean, it's bad enough news to abuse these poor guys down in Guantanamo. I mean, that's been reported on enough. You can't really get much more abusive and awful to them, but now they're going to do it here in this country. Now, they might not be locking us up in work camps quite yet, but they are making it so they can seize your assets. We mentioned a moment ago the Military Commissions Act means they can take you, pluck you out of your life without any notice, and drop you in a military prison with no access to a phone or a lawyer or anything else. At the same time, now, according to this executive order that was signed on July 19th, Anybody who is essentially a dissenter, because you could you could very well argue, these people could argue that by Gardner Goldsmith getting on the air on Free Talk Live and dissenting against the war in Iraq, that you're threatening the peace or stability of Iraq, that you're materially assisting uh, the people over there by giving them something to believe in, for instance, in their acts of violence. You know, they could make all kinds of lame connections. If I happen to mention that the U.S. Constitution doesn't give us the, give the Congress the power to expropriate money from people in order to send it out for aid to other countries, I'm done. Right. They can then seize your property. Whatever it is you have that they want, they can take it on the flimsiest of pretenses. And And there's no trial for this. And likely the guy leading the investigation gets a a bonus based on the percentage of amount of the assets. A little stiff, huh? Yeah, yeah. that's how it works. Let's leave aside for now the Soviet-style cunt about uh, peace and stability in occupied Iraq, a land where neither can be found. What this executive order means in principle is that the property of anyone who materially undermines the war and occupation can be seized without a trial or due process of any kind on presidential order with the approval of three cabinet officials. And you know what's interesting about that? If you actually look at the executive order, Ian, it it doesn't even have to be three. Really? The executive order says that the Secretary of the Treasury can do it as long as he has consulted with the Secretary of State and oh, Secretary of Oh, I see that now. They You're could, right. They could still disagree, and he could still do yes. it. Yes. Wow. He, right. It's one guy. All he has to do is talk to them, and they can disagree, and he'll just he can still do it. But pay careful attention to the phrase applying those sanctions to those found guilty. Once again, by presidential decree of, quote, undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform in Iraq, unquote. Wouldn't this apply to people who participate in organized efforts to end the occupation? Yes. Expropriating anti-war activists wouldn't provide the same visceral thrill that would result from the spectacle of a few of them led away in chains to the gas chamber. But the Reich wing can console itself in the knowledge that those whom the state would annihilate it first expropriates. Because if they take all your property away from you, they take your house away from you, they take your bank account away from you, you might as well be in a prison. I mean, that's just the next step. They can certainly take your guns away from you. That I mean, if you don't have access to the money and the, the funds and the things you need to live life, you're, you're a homeless man. 
that's not such a that's not a freedom that I would like to have. Thanks very much. Okay, great. I still have the freedom to walk around this earth, but I have none of the things that I previously had. And you know what's amazing? Even if you agree with this sort of sentiment, right, guys? If you look at the way this is written... A punishing dissenters, you mean? Well, just uh, the, the, the phrasing on this section B here in this executive order where he sa- it says that um, those who have committed or posed a significant risk of committing an act or acts of violence, so on and so forth, that's okay, that's fairly clear-cut. But the undermining, the clause that says undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform, what are they... Undermining is such an ambiguous yes. term. It's so subjective. Any attorney, I mean, it, I can't even believe just on the level of of sheer logic and 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 use of the language, I can't believe that they they would write something that sloppy. This is typical, though, of what they've been doing. That the the nebulous language is in effect in the Military Commissions Act. They make it very nebulous so that anything mm, can really yeah. be categorized underneath it. Yeah, they're not that stupid. You're right. Um, it's, this is really disturbing. It's going on right here. This is for real. And we're not joking with you. That's why we've spent the, almost the entire first hour on this, because it's happening in this country, and it really mirrors some scary things that have happened in the past to other countries, you know, like Germany. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Then you should go and buy some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com to access a variety of uh, Free Talk Live branded merchandise and even a few things that don't even have our brand on it. Just an original design that we created that I think you might like. If you go over to store.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done. That's store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. Not a fun topic, though. We're talking about the uh, expansion of federal power, specifically the executive branch through signing statements and executive orders, the Military Commissions Act, uh, basically making it so now it's now it's apparently completely legal for them to uh, pluck you off the streets, put you in a military brig, and take all of your assets, take your bank account, take your house, take your car, take whatever it is that you own that they want. Simply on the flimsiest of pretenses, simply on an accusation, no uh, no trial necessary. They can they can do it all, or they can do a little bit. You know, they could just take your stuff. They don't have to necessarily throw you in the military brig. They can just take your house too. Uh, they can do it all because, well, no one said they can't. They're the government, and you're not. Let's go to the phones and talk to. It is Paul in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live, Paul. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Great. Right. What's on your mind? Hey, I got two questions. I was hoping to to use your 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 knowledge here. Um, the the exec- one is has to do with the executive order that that you know that we're talking about in previous executive orders. Um, it's my understanding through my research that executive orders only apply within the the um, executive the, branch. With, yeah, the executive branch of government, and they can, however, apply to the people in the private sector once martial law has been declared. So, are we under martial law? Some people would argue that uh, the, the country is under a state of emergency that was never repealed. From uh, We've had people call in and point this out, and I've seen it elsewhere. Uh, I've never actually d- dug in enough to do the research, but their claims sound believable. And so I'm letting you know these are people's claims that back in the 30s or whatever, when the country went bankrupt or something like that, they, there was a state of emergency that was set up, and uh, the, apparently that grants the president more power than he normally would have. And so apparently the state of emergency was never 
ended. Well, nope. but you know that's interesting because the very concept of a declaration of martial law, you get this uh, thought in your head where the president declares martial law or something like that. But the Posse Comitatus Act runs completely contrary to that. They can't use military in policing matters. But here they in can the now, States. as of the Defense Authorization Act of uh, 2006 or seven, one of the other was. There was a thing they passed just after the Military Commissions Act. Yeah, yeah. The Defense Authorization Act did allow, does allow the president to utilize the military within the United States for policing functions. Paul, it's what been do you completely think? overturned. Wow, what do you think about that, Paul? Well, I've been doing an extensive research. This 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 leads back into my second question, and I was hoping you guys may be able to help. Yeah. Um, when uh, FDR was president, um, let me ask you this question first. How many terms does the Constitution allow somebody to be president? Two consecutive. Is it in the Constitution? I thought it was just tradition. Did they they did make an amendment, amendment, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two. Uh, how many? How many did you say two? Right. Yeah. It's supposed to be two consecutive. Okay. Um, so how come FDR did four? It was, it was after that. It was after that. But before that, it, it was just um, it, it was tradition. Uh, Washington refused to serve more than two years. Um, you know, stated that no president should. Um, you know, he's a man of some principle and moral fiber. And uh, after that, nobody ever did until uh, Roosevelt uh, came in, served four, and then they passed the amendment, which uh, it's two consecutive, it's two terms, and I don't know if it's if they're consecutive, but no more than ten total years. So he could be a vice president for two years and then be uh, president for two more terms. Thank you for that. And if, if most people would just go and just do some research on the New Deal, the, 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 huh. the writings all throughout the documents, how they got rid of the gold to, yeah. to start printing money out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And then all, you know, within the first hundred days that he was in office, all these alphabet agencies came into existence, including the FCC. Well, you know what's amazing about that, Paul, is uh, uh, the the not only was it a top-down movement with Roosevelt obviously picking up things from Marx and and some of his advisors who were out and out avowed Marxist communists. They they clearly were. It's it's in the historical record, and they picked up a lot of this stuff from Marx and Engels. Uh, you would think that they might have been in Rage Against the Machine or something before they formed, but uh, so they they you know they got rid of gold. They wanted to have a minimum wage instituted, which by the way, the first part of that just went into effect last week. Um, and but the fascinating thing is, is not only is it a top-down thing from the so-called intellectuals, but it's also a bottom-up thing. During the latter half of the 1800s, there were always these debates about fractional reserves, allowing fractional reserves in banks, and and whether the dollar would be based on silver or gold. And William Jennings Bryan was out there, and he had all these people. There, there's this, there's this need for people to use the government to their advantage in all these different ways. And it's incredible to see how the two come together so easily to just continually expand the purview of government and reduce the ability of people who favor liberty to be able to do anything. And that's why I have to agree with Ian. You know, it's just I'm so having to back him now because everybody's like using the government to is their their excuse not to take for responsibility for their actions. Yeah, it's, it's mechanistic. True. Yeah. That's what the government does, is it, it allows people to uh, to just get rid of their responsibility and say, hey, the government will take care of it. I don't have to worry about feeding the poor. I don't have to worry about doing blah, 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 fill in the blank. Government will take care of it. And you know, do, you I think, think, do, you, do you guys think that we can actually get rid of this Federal Reserve system? Well, well it's been done before. Uh, we, we've had fiat currencies in the United States. Um, you know, we've got a long past, 225-plus uh, years. And uh, it was Jackson, Jackson got rid of the Bank of the United States. Right. Uh, yeah. Andrew Jackson managed to get rid of the uh, Bank of the United States. And it can be done, sure. 
It just people have to be educated. Well, I mean, what happens when the money, you know, the the dollar crashes and burns? I mean, it'll be gotten rid of on its own at that point. I mean, fiat currencies can only last so long. As, well, remember when empires. you guys had this guy call in the other day and say that there's no way we could be on a, on on a. See, this is what the American people have a misconception with. We, you know, gold and silver never backed our money. Gold and silver was our money. money. Good point. Right. right. And, and so, so they, you had a caller call in the other day that said, oh, we can never go back to that because there's not enough poundage. Tonnage, yes. He was using the term tonnage as though, um, you know, I mean, if there was only one ton of gold, it could still it be work. the current. It would still be the currency if if there was no fiat currencies um, in place. I mean, you know, people would use gold. They'd use silver. They'd use bananas. They'd use anything. Sure. Um, you know, what they'd get is scripts from banks, which would essentially be just like futures options that we currently have today, and they would exchange hands that way. So, you know, you'd get this uh, thing in in your hand that says this is redeemable for a x number you know, of ounces. X, or, x number right. of ounces of rutabaga. Paul, thank right. you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, that guy. Gee, he just didn't have any ideas to. He really didn't know much about. Not he Paul, liked using the, the word tonnage, though. Yeah, the other guy. He didn't know much about uh, economics, the money system. I mean, to argue that we have to have a fiat government printing money system is just to argument uh, an argument from economic ignorance. And you know, Paul's question about do you think we could ever get rid of the Fed? Um, it, it's it's systematically there are so many special interests that have been added to this because uh, you know the Federal Reserve is a quasi private agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, they themselves are affiliated with all these different bankers. The banks. Exactly. The banks them, themselves have investments that are sort of risky in different countries. They have political connections. Sometimes the politicians take their leave from the banks, such as, oh, I don't know, Robert Rubin, just before they give $22 billion to Mexico and bail them out. So it's no easy task. Things, right. If you were to get rid of the Fed, then what could you get rid of the IMF? Can you get rid of the World Bank? All these things are so interlocked. As you say, maybe there would be a crash. If, if a crash came, maybe people would turn away from the Fed. But I don't think people are aware enough of fundamental economics. No, they they are always blaming the private industry. Roosevelt did it. We know the, what it, we know. 30s. Paris Hilton went to jail. Most people know that. Yeah, they know, yeah. But they couldn't tell you a damn thing about uh, you know. Uh, Gold-backed money or gold money or if, whatever. If the dollar drops, they're not going to blame it on anybody except the president who's in office at the time. That's a good point. And business. That's, that's always amazed me that Americans seem to think that this, you know, this one man, he determines uh, whether the economy succeeds or fails. Now, right. there's certainly some influence he can have over it, but uh, <laughs> to, to ascribe everything that is good or bad to one man is just insanity. I heard a um, an analogy one time, which I think is great, and I'm going to screw it up now. Um, the <laughs> The, the analogy was, uh, you know, how did President Clinton do with the economy is sort of analogous to how did uh, the rodeo rider do with the bull? I yeah, mean, right, right. you know, he didn't do anything to the bull. He managed to stay on it for eight seconds. Yeah, true. Um, and that's really true. it. I oh, wanna, by the way, Mark, uh, you're talking about bull. That reminds me that as we speak, <laughs> the Democrats are debating. I just figured I'd mention that. Oh, great. What are they debating? I, <laughs> I don't know, but it's going to fertilize good. plenty of fields. <laughs> Real quick on that emergency issue. Um, there's an emergency order from August 2000, uh, August 2, uh, 1990, and then it was uh, sort of redone in, two, in 2003, um, with respect to Iraq, okay, that has the not state yet, of emergency right, that has not yet been rescinded, and I I think likely that every most states of emergency have that, never been rescinded. That most presidents have put in place. I mean, think about politicians. Are these the kind of people that are likely to clean up their messes? Of course not. So I'll bet you there's all kinds of states of emergency that we're currently at.
There you go. Which, uh, again, the, uh, they allegedly grant more power than normal to the executive branch, which maybe that's why they're getting away with uh, creating all these executive orders, which shouldn't really be created. And they're destroying liberty. But, hey, welcome to the new America. 800-259-9231. We'll take your calls. Hour number two is on the way. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Let's go right into the phone calls and to the amplifier line. It's Puke in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Puke. All hail Lord Bush. <laughs> What's on your mind? That's pretty sick, um, what you guys are talking about. Um, well, last hour, for those just tuning in, we uh, covered some of the new executive orders by George W. Bush, one of which makes it so that if they deem, if they just deem you to be uh, confiscated, they will come and take uh, your house, they'll come and take your car, your bank account, whatever it is they want to, if they think that you've had some sort of involvement in materially supporting those who are opposing the uh, military over in Iraq. Pretty much anybody who's a dissenter uh, can now be targeted uh, by the government for confiscation of assets. That's, yeah, a, that's in a nutshell. Essentially, Americans or America now has political prisoners, or can anyway. That's correct. Well, we, we do. We already have them. Um, Jose Padilla, I think, might be an example right. of, a, of a political prisoner. But yes, uh, the, the groundwork has now been laid to make it fully legal for them to have political prisoners. Well, there you go. And it's the, the really sad thing is people, the, the vast majority of people will never hear or comprehend any of this stuff. You know, they just, yep. they're, they're too busy with their lives drinking beer and, the, you know, watching TV, and they'll never, ever know that this stuff is happening until... Yeah. For some reason, the Gestapo were kicking down their door and, you know, sending their family off to jail. And it, it reminds me of uh, something I was taking a college course, and for some reason, one of the assignments, it was about, um, uh, what was it, uh, not coercive speaking, but um, persuasive speaking. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the, the teacher chose uh, Kennedy to watch a couple videos of him giving a speech. And everybody in the class, it's an online course. And they, like, everybody was just like, oh, wow, Kennedy's such a great guy. I wish we had presidents like him. And, and this one girl was talking about how he wanted peace because in his inaugural speech he said something about peace. And I was, like, trying to point out this guy started the Vietnam conflict where an estimated 1.1 million Americans died and unknown amounts of civilians and such. And it's, it just blows my mind that these people, you know, they can't see the forest for the trees. They're the same thing. people that would say that Lincoln was one of the best presidents. You know, they're, they're yeah. the people that came. You know, they graduated from the government education system where these people are revered. They're worshipped. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. they, what they they think they want from their president is somebody who's in motion. Somebody's doing something, and that makes perfectly good sense because that's what you want from anybody else in any other job. What they don't know is that this is a republic, and the intention of the founding fathers was to keep the federal government small. Yeah, um, and so they. People should, their, their politicians should be making more laws because that's their job. And it's, that's how do you, how do you exactly. have a free country if there's more and more and more laws? That's precisely and the problem. When did, this, when did this 
uh, nation of laws uh, jingoistic term come about? Because I don't remember ever hearing that before. You know, I, di- I didn't know America was a nation of laws. I thought it was a nation of freedoms. And, you know, <laughs> it's just completely antithetical to say that we're a nation of laws. Pukri- and, um, yeah, that's just what I wanted to comment about. Is Great call, man. Sad. Thanks for making it. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That, by the way, a former uh, member of the military, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Army guy. Yeah, and as he says, it, the chasm, the schism between what we conceive of as a nation of laws today and, and perhaps the, the original meaning of the term, a nation of laws, as in natural rights, the, the pres- preservation of your property, and the document, the Constitution, which was supposed to check the government from growing and, cr- and creating all these law laws. Man laws. Man laws, exactly, rather than natural law, as Locke would put it. Uh, I think that tends to hopefully get some people to recognize that even if you think you can establish a state in the generic sense that will protect your property and your livelihood and your rights from these piles of laws that they're going to pass, once you set that machine in motion and you've got the state... People are the ones who are behind the levers. Of course, people in search of power. Exactly, and it will get corrupted. There's nothing you can do. Which is why I keep trying to explain to Mark, we had this huge debate over the weekend um, about different systems, government versus no government, and that sort of thing. And, you know, Mark is insisting that we need to just try it again. They were, they were close when they had the Constitution. They were close, but we just need to tweak it a little bit and try it again, and then we can do this government thing the right way. And it just seems to me that government continues to fail every iteration, every form. Why continue to recreate the, uh, the this violent entity? Well, I'm of the opinion that... Um that, that government is sort of a uh, you know a natural human instinct and generally to rule over others you mean well or ru- or be ruled there's or, or look for a ruler the oh, evidence yeah. is that uh, humans have always mm-hmm. had rulers um, you know there's the one uh, Icelandic uh, Nor- you know, Norseman yeah that, that managed to you know supposedly have a system that didn't have rule I don't know that that's true and uh, the documentation on it is as you can imagine minimal um, but I, it, it seems like we're going to have that one way or the other, so I think what we should do is set in place a small government to avoid a bigger, more totalitarian one coming in. Coming in. Governments have failed all along, um, you know, just as a matter of course. Big ones, small ones, uh, you know, uh, despotic ones and uh, Yeah, but how do you ones. keep it small, Mark? That's the trick, well, right? Well, you know, I would it, think that now that we've had a chance with the Constitution, that we can rewrite a Constitution that is uh, that has penalties in it, um, that has perhaps instead of uh, lawmakers voting for something, lawmakers coming to a supermajority on things. You know, it, it just... Learn from mistakes. Make it more like the Articles of Confederation. That, it's interesting. Historically, uh, it is, it's a rewarding experience to look back at those opportunities that we had on this continent to make a freer country. And uh, many people, particularly those who are classical liberals such as myself, uh, we look at the Articles of Confederation as actually not having been too bad and that the Constitution, as many of the anti-federalists thought, was really the wrong way to go, that it centralized things too much, that Alexander mm-hmm. Hamilton's influence was too great. And uh, then later, of course, uh, one of the 
scions of Hamilton's thought processes, Abraham Lincoln, uh, really helped destroy the concept of federalism that at least they tried to institute within the Constitution. At least they knew that uh, if they couldn't have a no government, they would have multiple small governments competing. I think that would be far more uh, preferable to what we have today or to even what Mark's proposing. Um, Instead of having, instead of reworking the federal government and trying it again, uh, let's just forget about the whole federal government thing and let... 50 small governments exist, and then let people move back and forth according to, uh, you know, who wants to live where and which system is better. And then, uh, you know, the wonders of competition will will help out uh, the best system. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I like the idea of a federal government just to, uh, you know, in name, to keep the uh, states from wanting to fight each other. If, well, then uh, shouldn't we, by that logic, then shouldn't we have a uh, North American Union to keep the, uh, you know, uh, the states from wanting to fight each other and shouldn't we have a a world union in order to keep the states from fighting each other no who wants war right let's have some bigger and bigger governments here mark let's go to the phones talk to neil in in uh, california you're on free talk live neil hello neil in california neil going yes once? i'm here hello hi what's on your hey, mind neil. hey all right uh yeah i've uh i've i've got a got a scenario uh, that I think will put Mark's uh, Catch-22 to rest. Oh, boy. Not well, I'm glad that, that I'm glad that now that this uh, Catch-22 is going to get brought up with Gardner around, because uh, <laughs> if anyone can handle this, Gardner can. Good. Because not only that, but I think, Mark, you have yourself in a Catch-22. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you guys, uh, the, the continual conversation uh, came up basically and uh, was that, uh, you know, about the defense of property in the absence of a government, for example, and, uh, and that uh, the, the idea of, of property and uh, impressing in, in that idea upon somebody who's trying to take your property who doesn't believe in property, for example, like a commie or whatever, uh, that those things are, are, are contradictory or they, they nullify each other somehow. Um, but there's a, there's a point that's, uh, that's been missing. Um, Gardner, thank you for bringing up natural law, by the way. Okay. Um, the the point is that property rights uh, extend from uh, self-ownership. Now, <clears throat> the thing about self-ownership is that it's an objective fact mm-hmm. that, uh, that self-ownership is something that can be empirically proven and that it has a scientific basis for the validity of such a claim. So what happens is that you have... Um, you have property rights, which are an absolute fact. And when a commie violates those property rights, he's doing so in ignorance because he doesn't realize that he owns himself. I'd like you to continue this uh, train of thought here in a moment at 800-259-9231. Back with more of Neil and your calls as well. And uh, inevitably, we'll get Garner's comments on this uh, this whole situation. This is Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. Is Ian here with you? And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, totally free. We've got the wiki there, wiki.freetalklive.com. We'll get you to it. There are over 1,375 pages created by listeners. Just like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website and like the rest of our site. It's totally free. Wiki.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but 
you'd like to keep your clients too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. As we go back to uh, it's Neil in California, back on Free Talk Live. Hello, Neil. Hello. All right. So we're talking about this uh, incredibly obtuse conversation we've been having over the past few days on this show. It's obscure, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. It's excellent. Very esoteric, but mm-hmm. very important. And uh, the issue at hand, and we're going to have to keep recapping it, of course, is because... And it's not easy to recap. No, because new people are always just tuning in. But, Mark, why don't you recap, and then we'll let Neil jump in with his comment about how he believes you're in a catch-22. Okay. Because you can explain yourself way better than I can. Right. I, I understand that. You you likely don't even um, entirely get what I'm saying, simply because... You know, he's not flies, in your head. It flies in the face of uh, what it is that you believe. Right, because so he's a madman, a uh, madman, and I, you know, <laughs> right. it's hard to really understand. That. I'm crazy. I'm out of my mind. Um, the 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 point that I made is that uh, voluntarists or anarcho-capitalists or free marketeers, whatever um, term that uh, one wants to use, is have uh, you know, as long as uh, Ian has been one and has uh, sort of attracted them to this show to listen to, they have uh, been on their high horses telling me how it is that their government system so much better because it it's all voluntary and we don't want to initiate force on anybody and you're a bad statist because you believe in a small government instead of no government. And why don't you just come over to the side? You know, I had to listen to all this crap for so long. And uh, then somebody called in and, and mentioned, uh, you know, some stuff that sort of brought into question whether property exists at all and, uh, you know, spurned my mind, sparked in my mind this, uh, this, this thought process, which is, in fact, if somebody doesn't believe in property in the same way that we do, everybody here on this radio show and Neil, um, that, that you can't, that they don't voluntarily fit into the system. Um, you know, so therefore, even if you if you create a voluntary system where there is no government and everybody sort of uh, contracts with these governing agencies, I'm going to use the term governing. I know Ian, Ian doesn't like it, but these insurance companies, these uh, uh, DROs, uh, I think the term, terminology has been, um, to govern them and, and sort of protect them from other people with their other DROs. If, if somebody doesn't opt into that whole property system, that you are then um, – to their mind, initiating force on them. When they come on your property to steal something of yours, to liberate it and give it to the people or whatever kind of gobbledygook it is that's going on in their head, um, that they're not voluntarily um, you know, uh, subscribing to your system. So therefore, the legitimacy of the whole voluntarist system, this, uh, you know, uh, this, this high and mighty system that doesn't initiate force on anyone, suddenly falls, to, falls apart. Okay. Okay, uh, now Neil. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's that's fantastic to think that. However, mm-hmm. uh, the the concept of self ownership and property rights, which extend from the concept of self ownership, mm-hmm. is an objective fact. Okay. It is something that can be empirically proven scientifically how? and is independent of all of us. How would one prove that scientifically? Well, how would one prove that? Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's take for example Mark. Okay, uh, he 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 has he has arms, legs, brain, heart, all those things, so on and so forth. Now, who controls Mark's body? I do. Mark right. does. Right. Mark does, uh, and, and it's proven objectively. All of us have have witnessed that that uh, and have absolute proof that Mark controls his body. It's been empirically proven. Precisely. 
And, yeah. and therefore, so therefore, property rights exist, and they exist outside of the subjective beliefs of individuals. Therefore, yeah. when a I'm not sure that you just proved that property right exists well, by no, saying that no. I can move my arm. No, 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 it, but it, but right Neil, Neil's right. It, 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 as far as political philosophy goes, you have what they used to call a property in yourself. I, now, I understand whether that extends beyond yourself right, is, is right. a question. And, and that's really where the question falls into place. If, right. if a communist doesn't believe that in, anyone can own anything under any circumstances, then, you, th- then you, you may be able to move your arms and legs, but that doesn't mean that you can create anything that is in fact yours. You may be able to modify your envi- the environment around you, but you still haven't created property. So there's still this level of subjectiveness. To it, well, Neil. The well, point, there's an extension, Neil. You're going to get there, I, I bet, aren't yes, you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, see, the thing of it is, is that the the communist doesn't realize the objective fact. He doesn't realize it. Okay. He doesn't realize that he owns himself and that it's it's just a fact of nature. It, it's just something that, that that is proven that can be found out and discovered. And by extension, Neil, if you can, somebody just shot down. Neil. Wow. <laughs> Shoot. Neil, you there? Uh, I hope he calls back. Well, that's He's okay. Gone. Well, I was just well, going to say... We'll let guard pick up the ball for well, him. Uh, I was just going to say, by extension, um, I don't I don't know if Neil was going to go this way, but um, typically the, the logic that follows in the natural rights community is that uh, if you, and, and also objectivists as well, uh, if you believe, if you, if you recognize the objective fact that you have a property in oneself, then as Aristotle said, and as many political philosophers through the ages on the classical liberal side have said, then in order for you to be able to survive, you have to, by extension, be able to control some sort of property, property. that keeps you alive. I sure. agree, and, um, and I, that exists I, in I, nature, too. I agree with their line of philosophy. I totally do. You know I do. Right. But what I'm saying is there can be somebody point. out there that says that, in fact, you do not own yourself. That, right, that but that person me, is is a madman. Well, so what? Well, this, that's, the, that's exactly it. And this is the conversation that I've alluded to a couple times with you guys off the air that I've had with my friend Lisa, in a way. This, uh, there are two points that I just would like to make. You make an excellent point. And, and what that is is you say, okay, let's say that we establish that there is an objective reality that plays upon our senses, as Ayn Rand would say, A is A, that objectively you own your body. You are the mover of your body. No one else can do it, only you. Right. And also, as Locke would say, in order to survive and protect that body, which, whether God-given or naturally or whatever, uh, only you can control, uh, you need to be able to control a certain amount of the property that keeps you alive. You need to be able to get food and sustenance. Okay, from that we then say we can apply the concept of property rights hypothetically. You say, what if somebody doesn't believe that? And then a lot of people... Like a crazy are, man. Yes, and you say uh, a lot of people who are minarch- uh, anarchists or, or free marketeers will say, well, we would allow those people who don't believe that to live apart. And you would say, yes, and the people who do agree in private property and contractual government without a government at all, you're living together. And what happens when one of those people uh, aggresses against you and tries to take your property because they don't believe in the same thing? And what this makes me question, I'd like to pose this to the folks who are listening, is we assume the moral superiority of non-aggression. And the question is, and this gets to sort of moral subjectivity, upon what can we say that that itself, non-aggression, is morally superior? 
there is something there, and it's a very interesting thing to think about. Well, because it's not nice to hurt people. Eight <laughs> times just, clear to me. I'm a simpleton. I just think it's just not nice to hurt people. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are totally free. Get signed up for the updates. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Still discussing the uh, yeah. the issue that has occupied so much of our show time within the past uh, handful of shows, the issue about um, you know the theoretical world of the free market, wherein people don't aggress against one another, um, and that's of course the way most people operate in their daily basis. If yeah. we aggressed against one another on a regular basis, we would live in a truly chaotic place. Um, but we don't, because we do understand inherently that we own ourselves. We don't want harm to be brought to ourselves, so we don't want to bring harm to others, because we know that inherently that you bring harm to somebody else. Inevitably, if they don't die, they're going to come bring harm back on you. The cycle of violence will continue, and their life will be hell. Um, so that's the reason why the world isn't crumbling at any given moment. It's not because there's a government out there stopping people. Uh, it's simply because it's in your best interest to be good to others. Yeah. You now, know, I was just going to say, you know, I think uh, a lot of people would probably agree whether they have uh, thought it through or not that with Locke's concept that out of the state of nature, whether they believe in God or they believe that it just be because people want to maximize pleasure and minimize pain, out of the state of nature where we could all be aggressing against each other, we formed the state, hypothetically, uh, to protect our lives and property. Now, some people would just say, well, you know, maybe Locke wasn't right about the nature of the state of nature. Maybe the state of nature is such that people interested in trying to maximize pleasure and minimize pain don't necessarily have to form the state. And we can draw historical uh, you know, conjectures uh, regarding the Icelandic guys, uh, the, the uh, Vikings and uh, Vikings, Iceland as much as we want. But philosophically speaking, maybe he's wrong. Maybe people can form these groups. The question that I was posing before the break was, uh, as, as Mark has brought up, the the anarchists slash free marketeers claim moral superiority in their concept of non-aggression. And Mark is turning it around saying, you know, there could be a whacked out communist who is in, you know, five or two percent of the population out there who doesn't believe that that's morally superior and believes that you should be able to take someone's property. And even if you could twist it and show him, look, you can't ask for that protection for yourself, he might say, I don't care. Slice me up. Hit me. I'm a, I'm a masochist. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, so the question right. arises in a philosophical sense, and you can, you can draw the two themes. that you can, you, you can say philosophically, can we get to a point where we can say, okay, I feel comfortable having thought this through, or do we have to just say, okay, look, practically we know most people aren't that way, so this sort of system works. But can we then say that how – how does one justify the statement 
that non-aggression is morally superior. And and what do we mean by morally superior? That's subjective, Upon isn't what it? is it based? Right. Yes. And, and uh, interestingly enough, I had a very good conversation. Because the morals of a masochist are different than the morals of any of us sitting here. It, exactly. Exactly. And this is a very interesting conversation. And I, I don't want to go on and deny it, but I just wanted to mention, I had a conversation with the, uh, one of the uh, executive editors of Human Events a long time ago, Tom Winter. And... Um, and I was staying at his place at a journalism uh, internship in, in 1989 in D.C. And um, and he said, without religion, you can't have morals. And oh, I said, dear. no, that's ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. And But it is interesting because if you're trying to define what morals are, are morals simply based on the majority deciding what they are, as so many people criticize the moral relativists? Because you could potentially, and I try to have this argument with uh, with my friend Lisa, or discussion really, you could have an island where people voluntarily go, and they know, and they could say, I am, I, I vow that I will not defend myself. Everybody, each man for himself. It could be a total animal island. And they would look at that as morally right. So how do we define it? I don't think you can, can you? You can only define your own moral system. And hope that other people uh, agree with you. You know, it wasn't. Now we're really getting. Uh, it wasn't deep. my intention to, uh, you know, to bring the uh, the show itself to, uh, you know, this this whole esoteric philosophy conversation. corner. <laughs> really, my only intention when it all came down to this is, I'm sick of anarchists being, uh, you know, free marketeers or voluntarists or whatever term you want to use, being uh, sanctimonious about their beliefs and saying that their beliefs are so much better, and uh, constantly trying to convert me or tell me why I'm a bad person uh, for a belief in small government. Really, what I want is just for the anarchist to leave me alone. Stop trying to convert Mark, okay? Just, and then he'll stop talking about this I crap. love that statement. I want the anarchist and, and to the leave sanctimony. me alone. That's so funny. <laughs> I just think it's just one of the funniest statements in libertarian politics Leave the politics sanctimony ever. up to me, okay? Let's go to the phones. Let's bring, uh, let's bring Neil back. We've apparently awesome. the phones all blew up and we lost every single caller, but they all called back because they're great like that. Uh, let's let Neil make a final point uh, before we move on here. Neil, you're back on Free Talk Live from California. All right, thanks. Oh, Mark, I just want to let you know I still love you, man. Thank you. Uh, All right. <laughs> any, anyway, um, yeah, you were talking about uh, morality. Um, I just want to throw a quick point in there. Um, I, I would, I would consider uh, uh, moral morality or, or ethics and things of that nature. They, they should be studied uh, scientifically and objectively, and, and the use of reason to help determine what is what is actually moral with regard to uh, what do you define as moral? Well, I would say universally preferred behavior would uh, would be considered moral. Uh, for example, like uh, eating, for example, is, is, is really a universally preferred behavior. But just because there is a uh, 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 a uh, uh, an anorexic out there uh, doesn't like invalidate the, the idea that, uh, uh, that eating is universally preferred. Right. So uh, you're pointing out that well, just because there's a crazy commie out there that doesn't believe in property, which, as you pointed out, is scientifically provable that uh, that doesn't invalidate the non the uh, the non initiation of force principle the non aggression principle. Well, the non aggression principle is universally preferred. It, I mean, it, it's obviously brought about all the great things that we have in society today. Yeah, Neil. Uh, Neil, I would only say that, uh, and I'm I'm in agreement with you in the direction in which you're going. But I would only say. Uh, uh, semantically, verbally, I would not use the term universal appeal because right. if the minute you can bring up an exception, it's no longer universal. So well, when uh, you can yourself state, you know, about an anorexic or so on, so you got to find something that's you know widespread or something like that. And really, eventually, what you're talking about is really pragmatism in that mm. case, and and well, no principle. It's very strange to think about. 
Yeah, that, that's true. And I just wanted to point out, just just for Mark, I I, I mean, I you know, I know you want me to leave you alone, but <laughs> but I just wanted to point out the catch twenty. He just said he didn't want any more emails. That's all. Okay, okay. Well, I just wanted to point out the catch twenty two. Whenever you want a state, whenever you want a monopoly on force, you are you are you are violating individuals' property rights. You are violating their property or their person to be able to voluntarily exchange with one another in order to be able to get the protection that they want voluntarily. I understand, I, I, but but um, you know there can exist. He a, understands and accepts. I understand. Thanks for the call, Neil. <laughs> You're welcome. I understand the the whole light. Believe me, after years on this show with a free marketeer, I do understand the concepts. I simply don't believe that the system can work, and I'm willing to compromise a little bit of force for um, a, a gover- you know in, a, in exchange for a government that works will your government man uh, will your government your th- theoretical government if you can have whatever you wanted we'll call it the United States of America would it um, forcefully confiscate wealth I don't see how it couldn't I don't see how it, has a government I ever continue to oppose you. Have, has yeah. any government ever not forcibly um, you know uh, taken wealth in some Probably manner or another not, because then it wouldn't be a government and it and would you know, be a voluntary association right of it'd, be, it'd be the Lions Club fascinates me as well to Which as does a whole lot that, more good than government ever does well i i, I agree with uh, with ian that uh the risk inherent in, in creating such a system and the the philosophical contradictions internally in that on protecting private property by forcibly taking someone's private property to create the police force to protect that private property the inconsistency i cannot abide and the fascinating thing is if you think about it, remember uh, Benjamin Franklin's quote, those who give up a certain portion of uh, liberty for security will end up with, with neither. Mm-hmm. And and the amazing thing is he himself supported the Constitution. He supported well, creating he, government the, to do this. I, I don't think that they had the, 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 thought, the philosophy of free marketeerism, uh, right. anarcho-capitalism. Right. That, that time. It didn't really exist at that time. They, right. had a, they didn't even have a term for it. Right. They said freedom and liberty. There you go, which points out that it's a uh, more advanced philosophy than they had back then. So it's a direction we should move in. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. We've got Mike, John, uh, Chris, Ron, all we need ladies. You go first if you call in. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features for free. You like the show? You want to help support us? Then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Whenever you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase from pretty much anything you buy. In their 41 categories of products, they even sell used items. So do your shopping there and get it done. You know, We don't have to go brave the crowds at the stores and go through the parking lot hell or whatever else, whatever other trouble you might get uh, in the real world. Go shop at amazon.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or a limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. Talk to Mike in California on the amplifier line. Hello, Mike. Hey, everybody. What's on your mind? I'd like to make two points to Mark. And, Mark, I'm not trying to be sanctimonious. And I'm not trying to convert you. I've just been discussing the, the same point that you're probably sick of discussing. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> um, if, if 
Right uh, by, by the way, if I lose this argument, all I do is return to the state of you know uh, the legitimate uh, target of the the free marketeer's sanctimony. Okay, I mean, so I've got nothing to lose. Fire and I'm away. Not, I'm not even trying to make you lose. I'm trying to uh, make you see my point of view. Great, let's go. Or, or the other point. I guess it's Ian's point of view too. If the right to property, right to self and property, uh, which is an extension of the right to self, if that is an objective fact, if humans, uh, if it can be proven scientifically that humans have a right to their to property, then anyone, whether it's one crazy madman or five million communists who don't uh, volunteer into that system, don't believe in that system, don't get to have their own rights. They don't get to say, well, we think communism is better, and therefore uh, it's, uh, we're being uh, restricted against by this system of free rights, of voluntarism. Because, uh, for example, if, if one person or 55 million people decided not to believe in, a, in an objective fact of gravity, they don't get to make up something else and have it be true. Well, gravity exists in the real world. Let's call it the first world. Whereas rights exist in the second world, the world of agreement, the world of philosophy, the world of thought. Um, in, in the same way that marriage, government, all kinds of these uh, you know, uh, ag- agreements exist, they exist in this second world. And I don't think that you're going to be able to prove to people that believe uh, you know, wholeheartedly that property doesn't exist. Mm. I don't think you're going to be able to prove to them uh, scientifically that that's true. What you're but saying is correct. If you could prove it scientifically, then it would be real. Yes. That, well, and at that point, right, Ian, that's what the government says today. We have guns. Do what we say. And there's okay. also, uh, I would just like to add, there's also a, a slight difference in the practicalities of recognizing the objective things such as the law of gravity, uh, which, hey, could be proven false someday, but it looks like it's a pretty strong bet. And uh, the the interactions of human beings with their own subjective feelings and uh, the problem is that even if you can say objectively that an individual owns himself or herself and that people want to, say, maximize pleasure and minimize pain, uh, as opposed to if you want to try to fly, you'll fall without some sort of device to help you fly. But if you want to take someone's property or kill him, uh, you can do it. It, doesn't mean, it, it. it could mean that for those people who believe that the right to self-ownership is manifest – that that uh, right has that that law has been infringed upon, but it's too late by then. Also, masochists might not believe it, and they are perfectly willing to act. The difference between the the law of gravity and human beings is that human beings are self actors with their own subjective feelings, and so that muddies the waters there. Well, the waters are muddied, and there is definitely a difference between a philosophical concept, between any concept, mm-hmm. and something in reality like gravity or yeah. rock. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't mean it's not objective and not true. For example, numbers. They don't, two. Two right. doesn't exist, but it is not subjective. It right. is objective and based on logic, based on an empirical observation. But here's and, the question. Here's the question. Once you've determined that, what value do you derive from that, either in feeling confident about the superiority of your system or in assigning some value to that? There is a uh, line of logic, a line of reasoning that extends to the moral way for humans to live. It's a huge discussion, and I don't want to get into it now. In fact, I don't think we could get into it now. It's a huge discussion, and I'm still, um, I'm still learning it, but it, is, it does exist. I mean, you take the most basic sensory information, and that, uh, that 
humans can have, and then you expand it a little bit by logic. Well, that means this. And then you extend it by logic, and you go up conceptually to more complex ideas, and it leads you to, be, to understand <clears throat> there is only one way for humans to live morally. Now, that certainly doesn't mean that someone who doesn't understand it or believe it can't go and kill someone who sure. doesn't believe it. Which is why I think Mark's point is important about there, you know, this being the second level, this second uh, layer or whatever you called it. I call it the second level. Um, luckily, most people subscribe to what we're talking about, and that is that you own yourself, you own the fruits of your labor, property does exist, and that it's wrong to take things by coercion or, or you know, it's wrong to uh, to deprive others of their property, deprive others of their life, uh, and, and, and do harm to others. It's wrong. Most people agree with that. Thank goodness. Because if most people thought the way the commies did, and, and again, we're talking purely theoretical here. You and I both know, Mark and Gardner, everybody knows that a communist can, a communist can sit there and say, I don't believe in property. At the same time, he, you know... Get, you know, hangs up on his cell phone and then gets into his car, and you know he's got all or, kinds or of property. Uses his mouth. Right. So I mean, it's clear that they, it's, they say one thing and then they do another. But if we actually had a world where people didn't believe in property and they didn't believe in the right to life, then we would truly live. That you want to talk about. Uh, chaos. We would truly live in a dangerous, dangerous place where anybody you come across could be possibly the next person to uh, to extract your life from you, or you know, take your money from you, or your your loved ones, or whatever. And we don't live in that world, and thank goodness we don't. Just because there there may be a few madmen or a handful of people that that do think that way out there, um, you know, certainly doesn't validate yeah. their thought process. It just simply means there are crazy people. And in addition to all that, and Mike, thanks for the call. In addition to all that, having a government around for those people to get in charge of, for those people to take uh, advantage of, to lord over others, to have power at their disposal, to where they can then in- institute whatever craziness they want to upon us. That's the that's the really scary part. That's what we have today. You know, Ian, I would I would uh, as an aside uh, just put forward the the idea that uh, we live in a society today, a society which is apart from government, we live in a society today that really does not believe in the sanctity of private property. All it does is find dis- find it distasteful to take someone's private property directly in most cases. You're right about that. And you've you got to blame the government for exactly. that. For that mentality. They've been trained to think this way. We've lost that. That's a huge, huge danger in the United States. Right, and it's, it's visible in the entitlement mentality where people believe that they deserve certain things. In fact, we've got a clip, an audio clip, of uh, the wife of John Edwards talking about some oh. of the things that she thinks <laughs> that, for instance, pregnant women deserve because of the fact that they got knocked up. I hope we'll get a chance to get to it, but we're loaded with phone calls, so we need to continue with them. Uh, let's go to, it is John in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, John. Yes. Are What's you on, there? We're here. What's on hey, your John. mind, sir? Okay. Well, you went off my line for a second. Uh, I want Mark to know he's got one supporter here in Ohio. <laughs> oh, he's got more than one supporter. <laughs> I'd say probably nine out of ten. Theoretically, it's very interesting to talk about uh, the theoretical. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's apply the concept to uh, the practical world that we live in, the reality. Uh, let's say a... Uh, Ice cream vendor uh, works out a route that uh, he believes is his uh, in the free market tier theory. That would be 
uh, his property. That route would be his property that he could defend from any interlopers. Well, that's presuming he owns the roads that he's driving on. Well, he wouldn't be using them if he didn't own them. So you're telling me the ice cream vendor owns the roads. Okay, go ahead. Well, if if I go out, buy me an ice cream truck, build me some roads around the different houses, I own the road, I own uh, the thing. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, there's no government mm-hmm. that the free marketeer is loyal to or uh, recognizes. Uh, he would be morally... Uh, obligated to defend his territory from uh, someone who comes in, let's say, and starts taking his business from him. If he it was be, his roads, he damn well would. What's wrong with that? Well, I, I understand you just had a case very similar to that in uh, Pittsburgh there. I have no idea what you're even talking I'm about. I'm not familiar with it either. Well, there was an ice cream vendor that was... Uh, Oh, the ice cream vendor in Pittsburgh didn't own the roads that he was on. The government owns the roads today, well, but no, thanks for the call. Those are pub- public roads, so Yeah, we all own them. Well, that's not true, and you know that's not true. The More government the way. owns Hour 3 is coming up. Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Phones are loaded up. We need to go right into the phone calls, and uh, we'll go international first to Switzerland and Todd. Todd, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Todd? Good morning to, to how you guys doing tonight. Great. Good. What's on your mind? Well, I also wanted to, to back up Mark a bit because um, I, I don't know if I even have as a limited a view of government as Mark does, but I, I'm very sympathetic to the idea that some some structure, such as the, bills right, the Bill of Rights and the assigning of, of a division of... Uh, powers which uh, can check one another um, is is required to have a society uh, that that functions and doesn't uh, fall apart into chaos I, I just don't I don't see how I'm not talking about you know any particular level of, of enforcement or you know large police forces small police forces now I'm just saying that that some structure um, is inherently necessary. Well, the market creates its own structure. I mean, how do you think that uh, those thousands of products make it from their manufacturers to the grocery store? I mean, there's plenty of structure there. It's just not as, uh, it's not something you can write down on a piece of paper. Looks like we lost him. We lost him. On that topic, uh, I'm sure Mark has a response. I just wanted to mention a lot of times um, uh, people don't really articulate the distinction that is made between. Uh, say, let's say we make the argument that the market provides for cereals and soap and shoes and all these things that help protect us against the forces of nature and help keep us alive. Okay. And certainly, if that can do a better job than top-down government deciding what places and what what options and what choices for us to have, as the Soviets have, have shown doesn't work, and as the government shows over and over here, certainly we could apply that to the provision of 
defense. Apparently, we're radicals for suggesting that, though. Well, here right. you go. Now, maybe, maybe, and and Mark can address this a little bit. I don't know if he'll do it himself or hypothetically in somebody else's thoughts. But um, they say, well, you know, there's a distinction there. Oh, really? What's the distinction? Well, uh, we would say, it, look, police services are still a service. Yes, but the service is being provided not against just forces outside in nature, but against other people who are their own actors. So it's not the vicissitudes of life per se and nature that we all encounter together, but it's directed force, and therefore there's a distinction between the provision of the police force and the provision of other services which are things that we need in everyday life. What do you think about that? Mark? I... You know, I'm completely baffled by this conversation, quite honestly. You know, the, I believe um, that we need a government because there is a void that will be created by not having one. And someone will step in. We, I, I believe we will have a government, so let's create it. Um, rather than um, the, the, the possibility, maybe it's true. I'm just not willing to go put Western civilization on the table and roll the dice and see whether or not... Um, we can have a society that works without a um, centralized national government. I'm not willing to do that. And I also think... Well, the Western civilization you love so much was created by people in search of profit, not by those in search of power. It's a Some great people point. would say that the only reason that those people were able to profit was because of the governments the that were based on natural rights that allowed them to be protected in their private property. I just think that a smaller government will work and... More importantly, that people can see it. You can show day after day, week after week. This show wouldn't survive without all kinds of government abuses. We report on a new one every night. It's not like we've ever recycled one single story ever about a government abuse. The government is abusing its citizens every single day. I'm with you on that. Um, you know, so it's it's we're so we're, you're saying you want the government to stick around so we can have a radio show, Mark? There's <laughs> I'm not saying of, anything like there'd that. There'd be all kinds of things to talk about. We could talk about relationship issues. We could talk about consumer issues. There'd be other things. To I'm discuss. not even suggesting that for a moment. What I'm <laughs> saying is, is that um, the. the we need a government, otherwise there's going to be problems. That's all. People <laughs> people so see government as legitimate, and let's not yes, because they've all make been our, brainwashed let's not by make the ourselves government. look crazy by talking about not having one. Let's just talk about First they where laugh we can get you, rid of pieces. Then they fight you. Mm-hmm. Then you win. It's well, accepted as self-evident. We're in the laughing at you phase you, at this point. And, You're and, laughing at me. And guard because we uh, we see things a little bit differently. And in uh, you know, fortunately for you guys, I'm here to legitimize you people, and uh, you know, talk about <laughs> small government. It's actually more fortunate for us, uh, for you, that we're here to make you look more legitimate. Because if it weren't for us, you'd look like a crazy man well, with your small government rantings. Uh, that much is probably true. Uh, you you, you do, make, do make me look uh, much saner, and both of you are superior broadcasters. Let's go to the phones. Uh, we got to go to Johnson in Connecticut on okay. the amp line. Hello, Johnson. So I hear you're still talking about this property rights conversation. Yeah, I didn't start it. You it, could just shoot well, some me now. Caller, some caller <laughs> called in and got us back well, on it. I'm glad well, I got you know, to be here tonight. This is good. I, I sort of, I sort of uh, had another thought on it. And, uh, you know, it, it, actually, I thought somebody had written an email, and I don't know if you read it. Um, it was an email from uh, Doesn't matter. Josh, Josh okay. K. Um, and he wrote, he's actually a, uh, a doctorate. Um, or a doctor student at Harvard who was writing us and, and uh, got into uh, philosophy, um, Ian's philosophy being sans metaphysics, 
versus Mark uh, needing meta- metaphysics and, and what beliefs. What is that? Uh, metaphysics is sort of an area that is beyond physics, so it's like sort of beyond reality. Um, a lot of philosophies... Uh, like and, auras and crystals, that sort kind of thing? Of, stuff like that, but more, more it's, uh, it's philosophies that uh, heavily utilize the concept of ideas rather than reality and things based on things, reality. Things that exist outside of physics. Okay. <laughs> and, um, well, one of the things I thought was interesting uh, in relation to that uh, after sort of reading that, I, I kind of came down to the thought that, hey, you know, that's really true. This entire argument that Mark has um, about this sort of catch-22 and hypocrisy is really based on uh, only the belief. It's not really based in in reality. First of all, the situation in and of itself is ridiculous. But second of all... It is not um, ridiculous, Johnson. Communists no, exist saying, here in America. They've taken over, in case yes, you didn't they know. Really, they don't really not believe in property. That's kind of ridiculous, because they own property, right. and they control it, lie. and they covet it. First of all, a lie. Second of all, if we were in this libertarian society, for some, for some uh, <laughs> socialist who doesn't believe in property rights to suddenly spring up out of the blue is, is again, ridiculous. No, but it's not, again, Johnson. Yes, it is. I mean, people, just... people burn flags here in America. I mean, right. there's all kinds of socialists wait, it's that not show ridi- up everywhere. It's not ridiculous that socialists would exist. It's ridiculous that they would be anywhere near a, uh, a true free market <laughs> society uh, that, that respects private property rights if they were t- somewhat sane. Right. Malcontents pop up everywhere. You're living proof. Right. Okay. But here's the thing, and, and exactly this is it. If, the, if this person were to spring up so suddenly and spontaneously in this, in this midst of this libertarian society, um, the point that needs to be made is that when you think about it in relation to just reality and just the facts, and you sort of re- disregard the whole metaphysical beliefs of the thing, when it comes down to it, who's doing the aggression? Who's aggressing? Who's the one who is initiating force and initiating violence in your little scenario, your little idea? It's the socialist. It, it would depend on the, uh, the, the point of view of... Uh, it oh, come on. It depend on the point of view, Mark. Initiation the is absolutely, feeling, positively one... subjective, Johnson. No. No, it's not. No, it's not, because if someone has staked a claim on property, they have done that. That action has been taken, and period. And that happened first. That is the first factual action. And then someone else moves onto that property. That is the second fact-based action. It's it's completely uh, does without disregard to any belief. That is what happened. Those I know. I know that it shatters your belief system. This whole free market, um, the, the free marketeer system, Actually, is not uh, had the I'm ability saying. to be able to I'm sit saying. on a sanctimonious high horse and talk down to everybody. But that is in fact the case. No, it is subjective. Mark, Initiation of force is, is subjective. Your whole idea is dependent upon beliefs. When you take away the metaphysics and you take away the beliefs of the thing, when it comes down to pure facts and actually what actions are taken in order of... Uh, no, the facts right. are, are one person does something, the other person does something, the other person does something. You know, that's Either not you really agree th- that they're initiating force or you disagree with it, Mark. I so don't know. I agree they're initiating force. Well, then that's it, then. They're well, initiating force. Period. It's not my End belief that matters. The question, I think he's saying, the question is, what if they don't think they are? Well, they're going to find out they're wrong. Right. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. 
You take control toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Inviting you to our website, freetalklive.com, the place to go. Archives are there, an entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website. For your downloading convenience, go grab them up. They're on us. That's freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. Just to elaborate a little bit more on what Johnson was saying a few moments ago, and we'll continue with the phone calls here because they are loaded up, Um, but just to elaborate a little bit more, um, we're talking about, you know, once again, this society, this free market society, what happens when this theoretical communist comes in who theoretically doesn't believe in property rights, doesn't that invalidate your, uh, your voluntary society, blah, blah, blah. Well, again, we're, we're not really operating in the wor- real world, and this is typical, Mark, your objections are typical of what pre-marketeers tend to get from people, and that is that in order to make uh, what sounds like an, a, a salient objection to our philosophy, you must go to the ultimate extreme, and in this case, you're going to the extreme of pure fantasy, because to say that... Well, that I can't go to anything but pure fantasy. It doesn't exist in the real world, Ian. The communist you're talking about doesn't exist in the real world. World, uh, the you're saying that if a communist comes into this free marketplace and starts stealing things from people because he doesn't respect property, that that uh, makes it so that uh, our viewpoint about voluntarism is invalid because he hasn't volunteered into the belief that property exists in the first place, and so on and so forth. And your self-governing, um, uh, the self-governing aspect of voluntarism, voluntarism um, requires you to govern that person who's trying to steal from you, and therefore makes you as bad as any other form of government that's come along. And you're wrong, because there's nothing okay, maybe bad, not as bad about defending... Not as bad, as invalid. There's it's, nothing it, There's nothing invalid. You agree with the philosophy that you should that property exists, and I do. The, the fact that property exists, and there's nothing invalid about defending your property from theft or fraud or force or whatever from somebody else. Now, look at the real world, okay? If this theoret... Let's just... You know, create a. Let's expand the viewpoint here a little bit from your scenario, and and imagine this communist person coming into the free market society. Remember, if this person really, as you say, he does, doesn't believe in any property, the first place he goes might be to get some food, because whether or not he believes in property isn't going to negate the fact that he's going to get hungry. At Maybe a he packs point. sandwiches from Commie Land. Well. He doesn't. He hasn't packed enough to sustain him for uh, for an entire year. Okay, so eventually he's going to come around to some sort of shop where uh, you know sandwich shop or something like that, and he's going to see a cookie up there on the counter and grab it and start eating. And that shop owner is going to you know say something to him about that, like you know pay me something because that's my cookie until you you know you owe me money. And he's going to say, no, I don't know what you're talking about. This is everyone's cookie. It's uh, it's it's the co- community cookie, and now it's in my belly. So what are you going to do about it? It in it, 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 Immediately, as soon as he steps into this free market society, he's going to run up against people with a very, very different belief system, and they are going to do everything they can to put a stop to this guy. I mean, it's again, it's total fantasy believe that, to believe this person even could exist and and get along in life for longer than five or five to ten minutes without being opposed by the vast majority of people, the 99% of people that do believe that they've created things with their own efforts and that they do control them and do own them. So the idea that this man or woman would even be able to interact with people 
is even a fantasy. It's just not realistic. And Johnson uh, sent me a, a, an IM during the break, as he points out. Even a sociopathic killer can believe that he's not killing. So just because you know the commie doesn't necessarily believe in property, which we all know isn't true, they must believe in property to some extent. But even if it were theoretically true, it doesn't invalidate that. If a if a psychopath kills people because he believes it's the right thing to do, that doesn't invalidate someone's belief system that killing is wrong. Look, so that's where I wanted to go with that. I, 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 you can claim that free marketeerism, you know, uh, voluntarism is better, but you can't, um, you can't claim that it is uh, morally without stain, because the fact is you have to govern something. Owning property is governing that stuff, and when somebody comes along who doesn't respect, for whatever reason, your claim on that property, and you have to govern it then you are becoming the government. So, yeah. you, you are then aggressive. As far as they That's are concerned, aggression. aggressing would, on them. They're crazy, Mark. They're it, wrong. Yeah. yeah, I would disagree. As, as, far as, as far as it goes, you are not aggressing against them in, in the definition of it. They, if they're, even if their opinion is that you are aggressing against them, definitionally you are not. That's correct. You are defending against them. Uh, they might think that you don't have the right to defend but as far as the definitions of it go, I believe that uh, it's a pretty strong case can be made that if you are defending your property, which is, of course, necessary for the defense of your life, then you are being defensive in nature. His initiation of force is what you are defending, that which you are defending against. I see. I agree from your point of, uh, from the point of view of the person defending the property, the, the, the property owner. Yes, absolutely true. You're defending against some nut job that wants to come in and take and your stuff. And there's nothing immoral about that. I don't. I'm not saying it's immoral. I'm saying it's, um, it becomes illegitimate when the person doesn't agree with your no, system. What's illegitimate is your point because this person is a madman. It doesn't matter what they, if they do or dis- or do not disagree. If they don't dis- if they don't agree, rather, then they just simply are um, in, in, they're essentially going against reality, Mark. And that doesn't invalidate the rest of us that live in the real world, where we can defend the property that we own, and we don't have to have any moral qualms about that because it's the right thing to do. Let's conti- uh, con- uh, continue with the phone calls. Talk to Chris in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live. Chris, what's on your mind? Chris in Indianapolis going once. Chris going twice. Do we have Ron in Louisiana? Ron in Louisiana going once? Yes, uh, you do have him. Hello, Great. Ron. What's on your mind? Well, I'm going to try to get us back to reality. Um, Thank goodness. I've been... <laughs> uh, one of my great-grandfathers signed the Declaration of Independence, Oliver Walcott, and he and the rest of the boys had no concept that the enemy would take over our government and turn it into this fiasco we have today. It wasn't that they set up a faulty system. It wasn't perfect, but it was a very good system. Uh, but we we have to try to get back to the system. I don't think we ever will. But at any rate, uh, I wanted to also cover the fact uh, uh, John Kennedy, which I was not a fan of. In fact, I've been around a long time. I was around when Hitler was doing his thing. Mm. And, uh, of course, we're following his plan over here in the United States. Uh, It didn't die over there just like communism didn't. It was just transferred to our country, and uh, we're being overcome by this fascist form of government. But anyway, uh, Kennedy was killed for three reasons. One, he had vowed to get rid of the CIA. And they weren't about to let that happen. 
Number two, he was going to get us out of Vietnam. You see, many people haven't really studied their history. They don't know what really went on there. Well, he was going to try. He was going to get us out of Vietnam, and they didn't want that. People that are running the world. And number three, very important. He was going. He had already started extracting us from the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is a consortium of international bankers who create money out of thin air and loan it to us at compound interest. Oh, yeah, so we're very familiar with them. Okay. So uh, he had already, I, I don't know how old you are, but uh, were you around in 63 or nope. old enough no. to know not one of us. On? No. Well, in 63, he issued two currency notes, which were That's not right. Federal Reserve notes. That's right. It was the beginning of doing away with the Federal Reserve. has now discovered very unique research that indicates that sure those who have body odor may time. be deficient <laughs> in a certain dietary we'll component. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Uh, you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com, the place to go. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you know if your hard-earned wealth is at risk? If you own a business, there's a one in three chance you'll be named in a lawsuit in the next year. That lawsuit could destroy your business and leave you penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering what you've earned. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. KeepYourAssets.net. Some uh, technical difficulties back at the studio resulted in our last caller being unceremoniously interrupted, so I want to bring him back. It's Ron in Louisiana. Ron, could you please uh, recap where you were at and, uh, and then continue? Well, I was going over the fact that uh, Kennedy uh, had, before he got shot, was getting us out of the Federal Reserve system. He had uh, already started printing money, which the Federal Reserve does, and which uh, our government is supposed to be doing. Uh, He printed a $5 note, which is a Red Seal note, and also a $2 note. Uh, if you've never seen them, you could probably go to a coin shop and you could see some examples of this. Hmm. Interesting. I, yeah. I was not aware of that. I've, you know, I've heard. Obviously, everyone's heard a variety of things about why Kennedy was shot. But in that case, um, do you feel like do you feel like Ron Paul is in uh, in jeopardy? Well, I know this. Uh, it's it, it's going to be difficult to elect him. Uh, but if he does get elected, then he'd be very much in jeopardy because he's going to want to do the right thing. And they're not going to want him to do that. Why wouldn't they preempt it? Why? I mean, we've had uh, Gene, the Christian anarchist, called in last week to suggest that he thought that something unfortunate would be happening to Ron Paul before he could even uh, possibly even win the primary. Um, do you well, feel like they might preempt the, uh, the opportunity for him to even become the nominee? I really don't think that they'll pull anything unless he gets extremely strong. You know what I mean? He starts gaining a lot of strength. He's gaining. He's already in third place as far as finances are concerned, as far as fundraising is concerned. His Internet popularity is tremendous. But they're still not giving him a lot of uh, airtime or anything. You know, they're still kind of ignoring him. And he he has to have that in order to to be a viable candidate. And, boy, I like him. I wish it would be nice if he were. He's a real statesman. 
Well, we'll do whatever we can to help him out with that. And, uh, Ron, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Got lots of calls, short amount of time. Got to get to him. Um, but you know what? It may be kind of like uh, in Star Wars, you know, where if you strike down Obi-Wan Kenobi, he, he, just, more yeah, he just gets more powerful as far as uh, you strike down Ron Paul or Free Talk Live or whoever else is the, you know, oh, the few mouthpieces of liberty out there. Um, it will just hopefully encourage others to stand up and, and do the same. Well, let's continue with the phone calls. Uh, go to Francisco in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live, Francisco. Hey, guys. What's hey. on your mind? Well, I'm going on a trip tomorrow, vacation for a month. Um, nice. I'm going to have to go through the TSA. Oh, boy. I bought my Bill of Rights Security Edition. Excellent, which is, uh, for those that don't know, it is a metal version of the Bill of Rights. I don't know, a little bit larger than a business card, I would say. It's made out of some sort of metal, and it's sharp on the edges and could be used as a dangerous weapon. Anyway, the idea with that is you uh, you carry it with you when you get on an airplane, maybe in your front shirt pocket or something like that, and when they wand you down or you go through the metal detector and they wand you because you'll inevitably beep, um, then they have to take away your Bill of Rights from you because it's a metal object. So that's what you're going to do? Yes. I also have one question. Yeah. Because I am a minor, would you guys suggest I try the flying without showing ID thing? I've done it as an adult, and it works fine. Um, you're going if you if you go up to the ticketing agent and you tell that person you don't have ID to show them, they will simply mark your ticket with these super secret search uh, letters, and then you'll get the secondary screening, and that's right. all. Francisco, what do you think you'll accomplish by flying without an ID? I'm not sure. It just makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I, you know, um, we have a listener, uh, Sam, who who does this every time, and and I'm not sure what it accomplishes. It seems like maybe a more effective protest would be to, um, you know, just print out a sheet of paper on Word that you know outlines the uh, Fourth Amendment and put it on top of uh, the you know whatever carry-on luggage you're carrying or something like that, rather than uh, you know. Going without the ID. sort of yeah, you can make a more visual statement. I, I don't know. I think going without the ID can kind of um, shock the bureaucrats. I Why? Think if, well, if they haven't come across some uh, someone before that doesn't have an ID, right? And probably not. I'm hoping to shock the TSA bureaucrats. People yeah. forget. Airport, the, people forget their drivers. Airport. Francisco, do not uh, delude yourself. People forget their driver's licenses all the time. I mean, thousands of people pass through these airport um, airports every month. Somebody right. statistically has forgotten their That's ID. That's a good point. They but are then not you would be shaken them. morally by the fact that you don't have one. Yeah, but you. you would be telling them specifically that you aren't showing them uh, the ID, not necessarily that you forgot right. it, because because that, that would be a lie. And you right, would, I would you say would I don't have any ID to show you. Right. right. Well, to make any point now, if you were to say I am morally opposed to showing you any form of identification, now maybe you'll get something out. You know, maybe somebody will be like, oh, he's nuts. Um, you know, and and that you'll get that. Um, but yeah, I'm not saying you'll get anywhere. I don't um, think that for them. I don't think you'll um, even if you do say something as as clear as that. I don't think they're ever going to give you a chance. Oh well, why are you morally opposed to showing ID? No, you're right. You, they're right. not going to ask you. They don't care. Most of them are they're, pretty dim bulbs. They're and ten bucks an hour there, working for the government. I think they're doing better than that. They make whatever they're making. They're 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 going through the motions. They're bureaucrats. They just don't. Oh, I agree with you, Mark. But, you know, it's a fun thing to do. If you've got the time and you want to experiment with the system, it's time, true. It gets you through faster. That's in some right. cases, depending Likely. on the airport, depending on the setup. But, uh, yes, it, it can be kind of 
enlightening. It can be kind of fun. But I, to think you're going to change the bureaucrats, no. That's not going to happen. Very unlikely. But nonetheless, um, you know, there's no reason now, not to if I you want to experiment. Now, I think Dave um, from New Hampshire who would, was going and holding up the sign saying, you know, the TSA is – I don't know what he was saying. But basically the TSA is a, you know, bloated, stupid government bureaucracy. Right. So you, you think basically doing the uh, security edition of the Bill of Rights would be a better protest? Than I think the security edition is a, is it's a superior. It's just as useless in my opinion. I mean, we, at the I, very I least, you can say, oh, here, I'll give you my Bill of Rights and my Fourth Amendment. Right. You can at the very least say what it is that you're thinking. I did that, and it went right over the guy's head. You know? so, okay. Again, it's the same, it's the same level of uh, effectiveness. I disagree. Very, very low. At least you have to be clear. Because if you're riding without a license and saying, I don't have, a, I don't have any identification to show you. No, what, you, what, you can say you, don't, you aren't required to show them identification. You aren't. And, and then they're going to say, yes, you are. No. Because they're sure that you are. Well, they're wrong, because you aren't. Anyway, Francisco, good luck. Let us know what uh, happens. Just man. one quick thing. Yeah. You, what really bothers me is that I'm going to have to go through immigration because I'm leaving the country. Ooh. And apparently they're going to have to give me a piece of paper, and I have to tell them exactly where I will be staying and give them a cell phone number. Yeah, you oh, may yeah. have to show ID to get out of the country because you yeah. have to have a passport in the first place. So it's one thing to go from state to state. It's another thing to leave the country. Right, but because – right. Let yeah. us know also, especially, it's going to be worse leaving. It's going to be one thing to go. Um, Julia just recently took a trip to Canada Attorney. driving, and it was no problem getting into Canada. They looked at her and you know, said, hey, why are you coming to Canada? She told them why, and vacation. Right, because you're leaving. It's right. going to be harder for me, especially because I'm Hispanic. I wasn't born Uh-oh. In a, I, I was born here, but I look Hispanic. So. Yeah, it's well. going to be a real tough time coming back. Let us know how it goes, and thanks for the call, and good luck. 800-259-9231. Let's but, go to... But Ian, he, he's Hispanic. Okay? All right. What's Enough said. Okay. I don't you, know what, what that mean? means. I mean, you know, he's like foreign and stuff. Right, which means he's going to have an extra tough time getting but, back. But, you know... Why do we have those people here? Oh, stop it. Isn't it stupid? <laughs> yes, it argument. is. Let's go to Andy in Arkansas. You're on Free Talk Live. Andy? Guys, I, uh, I, I like, I've been following this conversation you've had the past couple of days, and um, I was really excited when I first heard it because as a libertarian, it's a uh, conversation that I enjoy having. But at the same time, I think you're uh, kind of engaging in intra-libertarian fat fratricide, that you're not really, uh, that anybody who's not already a libertarian couldn't care less about this conversation. I would concur with that completely, um, but as far as intra-libertarian fratricide and the killing of your brother, it seems to me that when the the anarchists, the voluntarists, and the free marketeers come after um, libertarians, small uh, small government people, that they're the ones committing fratricide. Uh, Whatever. Anyway, uh, do you have anything else, Andy? Uh, yes, I do. Are you going to a break? Hang on. 800-259-9231. I was done with this conversation on Saturday night. Somebody else brought it up because people, I guess, it's free to talk talking live. about it. This is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live. We only have a few moments remaining. Phones are loaded. Not even going to bother giving out the number. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. But if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become an amplifier, as have done hundreds of our listeners, for as little as three bucks a month. Now, remember, the whole website's free. 
So you can just enjoy that to your heart's content. And then once you've decided that you've gotten your some sort of money's worth out of this whole Free Talk Live experience, send us three bucks a month. Because we can take that and pull it together and uh, use it to buy advertising to get the show on more radio stations so more people can hear our esoteric conversations about uh, communism and uh, free marketeerism and minarchism and all these sorts of things. Uh, but seriously, though, and, uh, amp.freetalklive.com is a great way to support the show. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And to get perks as well, let's go back to Andy in Arkansas, who started his call by chastising us for uh, talking about these uh, these issues, which, by the way, I think we do a pretty good job of relating the, um, making these conversations understandable to a large amount of people. I don't think that, you know, we, we recap what we're talking about, we talk about it in simple language, because I'm a simpleton. I don't, you know, I don't study philosophy, I don't read scholarly journals, I went to government school, so... If if conversation starts getting too confusing to me, I won't let it go on. And so uh, Andy calls in to chastise us a little bit and then continues to make points on the very same topics we've been discussing. So, Andy, <laughs> what else did you want to say? <laughs> well, I would say that you're, you are doing a good job making it understandable. It's just that your show is supposed to be about promoting liberty. And no, it's not. It's My not. show is supposed to be about uh, letting people call in about whatever they want. Andy, okay. Andy, I step in that one all the time, so, so don't feel bad. It just happens to be okay. that we're liberty-minded, and so therefore when people call about what they want, we approach things from a pro-liberty perspective. So go ahead. Well, okay, fair enough. I was just going to say, um, I don't think that you're failing to make this conversation understandable. Okay, or anything. Good. It's just that it wouldn't be interesting to anybody who's not a libertarian. I disagree. I think talking about, uh, you know, I think communism and uh, these topics can be interesting to to, uh, to others out there, and initiation of force. It's certainly something that's not talked about on the radio very much. I mean, if somebody wants to go and listen to uh, whoever it is that's on the other station talk about Hillary and uh, John Edwards and uh, Rudy Giuliani and all the other political crap they're used to hearing, and uh, then that's fine. They can go and hear that crap. But if they want to hear people talking about ideas and concepts, uh, then that's then they're listening to the right show. It does help contribute to the foundation of a belief system, perhaps. I, I found when I was in high school and I was able to get into some of these real deep conversations, just my mind works that way. So we might be grabbing some extra people. I like that People idea. are listening to this show because they know it doesn't take long to, to determine that we're doing something seriously different. Um, so go ahead. Your thoughts. Well, okay. Okay. Whether or not that's your stated purpose, your show has been one of the most effective manners of spreading this liberty and informing people. And I was just concerned that I've seen it happen before where libertarians fall to infighting. You know, we've heard people organizing libertarians like mm-hmm. herding cats. And I just, I just wanted to say I, I express my concern that I wouldn't like Free Talk Live to become that, because I love your show very much. I'm going to sign up for the AMP program here in the next week sometime. Well, thank you for that. And I, appreciate, and I do appreciate your concerns, Andy, and thank you for the call. Um, it's, a, it's a valid concern. He doesn't want infighting, and mm-hmm. nobody wants that crap. That's why I got away from the Libertarian Party, because there was just too much going on I disagreed with, and I didn't want to spend my time disagreeing with people. I wanted to spend my time being an activist. But the, the reality is, within the Libertarian movement, there are these conflicts, and there are these issues. And we'd be remiss to, to just pretend they don't exist on this show. They do exist. They exist on the show. It's part of what the, makes the show so good, uh, in my opinion because mark you don't agree with me on everything if you agreed with me on everything it wouldn't be as much fun to do this show well there wouldn't and, be any reason for me as a co-host i can tell you that right i so, mean why 
Mm-hmm. And like you agree with a lot of things, but there are some some key differences between the two of us, and that's important. And of course, then we have you know the uh, we have rotating co-hosts. Gardner is with us uh, tonight on Mondays, mm-hmm. and they all you know they have differing opinions, maybe from the both of us as well. And so it's interesting to have different ideas go at it, and that's okay because this isn't the libertarian movement. It's just a radio show where we talk about issues and we talk about ideas. And yeah. when you do those sorts of things, there will be disagreement, and that's okay because that's how people get to understand different viewpoints and maybe select the one that sounds best to them. I think that's one of the great achievements of a program like this is that you can have varying degrees of disagreement within this framework, but you know that you are solidly together on the agenda of trying to move forward in the state we're in now to try to achieve victories with the philosophy generally of greater freedom. And I like so that. And so that keeps you together. You're dedicated to this cause. Also, it's important to point out that when it comes to the real world outside of this radio show, when it comes to liberty activism, it doesn't matter if everyone agrees or disagrees. What matters is the direction we're all going in. And everybody that believes in liberty, whether it's small government kind of liberty or real liberty, uh, everybody who believes in less government, less control, we're all moving in that direction. If Mark wants to stop working at a certain point once he gets to his constitutional government and go you know, eat bonbons and watch TV and play video games all day, that's fine. Gardner and I will keep working towards uh, making government even smaller at that point. I don't think we're getting in each other's way. Even, even here in New Hampshire with the Free State Project, there are such a, a wide variety of interests and in people that want to, for instance, get active on one issue versus another versus you know 10 different issues they can all go and do what they want to and the cool thing is since it's a totally decentralized movement they don't have to have everyone else in agreement there doesn't need to be a consensus on which issues we address and which we don't somebody wants to go and do a protest they go and do it some people will decide to join them some will decide to stay home it doesn't insult me if a hundred people don't show up if i've got 10 that's great so i don't think it's an issue at all at all. I think it just makes for interesting discussion. That's all. Well, it, 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 you hit it right on the money. I think that the, those who are, are still pretty active within the libertarian circles, you can have personal problems in the great scheme of libertarian activism where somebody in San Francisco disagrees with this person here or this person here doesn't think that this person is authentic enough with this person here. I mean, there are differences between those who are in the Chicago monetarist school of economics and the Austrian school of economics and those who are objectivists and those who are Lockean natural rightists and those who are anarchists and minarchists and things like that. But the great thing about it that I've seen in the circles in which I travel is that all of them are aware of those differences. And when those differences come along, as you guys handle these things together on the radio and, and you welcome me in here and the, the listeners seem to recognize it, we all know that even though we might have some disagreement on some things from somebody who is in the Austrian school versus somebody who is in this school or whatever, or whatever yeah, um, the, the key thing is that we're aware of these things and we've circled the wagons and we are trying to keep the invaders from getting us. And so we're going to continue to fight in all our different fronts and we you know we let those arguments subside now cuz they're not particularly relevant unless you want to have sort of a philosophical conversation or get somebody fired up who's just starting to think about these things. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Kenny in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live, Kenny. Hi, Ian. Hi, Mark. Hey, Hi, hey. Gardner. How hey. you guys doing? Good, good. Short on time. What's your point? I'm sure you guys have been uh, keeping up with the debates recently, but today the Democratic debate was a CNN slash YouTube debate, and I was just wondering how you think Ron Paul will fare on Wednesday when the Republicans go up, seeing as he has such a strong 
Internet following, do you think that he'll finally be able to shine, or will the uh, mainstream media uh, treat him the same way they've been well, I think that uh, YouTube being involved in the debate, I didn't know that they were going to be involved in the Republican debate. Um, I think that them being involved in the debate is only a good thing for Ron, considering the, uh, the, the interview that he got um, from them. But um, Ron Paul has managed to rise you know, up into the ranks of if he's not in the first tier, he's really easy in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the tier between first and second. Um, he's managed to, to make a you know, a name for himself, and a lot of people are finding out about him. He's most searched term on the Internet, uh, you know, or most searched term on YouTube, most searched term on... One thing's for sure, the the typical debates have been addressing more of the typical topics of health care and, you know, the mm-hmm. war in Iraq and the usual political garb. When it comes to the YouTube debates, maybe we'll see some unusual questions. Maybe we'll have a war on drugs question. Maybe we'll have something else that will be unusual for the Republicans to, to have to field, in which case Ron Paul absolutely will shine, because yeah. he can answer any question that comes up without being, a, you know, playing the politics game and, uh, and hemming and hauling. He'll answer straight up and honest, and it'll be the answer that uh, the people were expecting from him. Thanks for the call. Short on time. Let's continue with Dave in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave. Dave. David? David Montana? Going Dave's, gone. Dave's gone. Let's go to Troy in Canada. You're on, on Free Talk free Live. Talk. Troy. Hey, guys. What's on um, last, last the podcast, uh, Ian, uh, you said that you were sympathetic to a individual who wanted to home or, home, or to settle a, uh, a piece of land, part of a larger parcel of land that was uh, owned by a large landowner that wasn't utilizing it mm-hmm. and you were kind of said you were sympathetic to that and i just wanted to point out the the property can't be homesteaded twice in my opinion and the proper way to get that land from that large landowner is to buy it or not to get it oh, yeah i agree the, uh, i i understand i'm just saying i understood where the guy was coming okay from, i so. didn't yeah i, I you know, and the idea that there's this big plot of land sitting out there, and thanks for the call, this big plot of land, it's being, it's not even being used. Um, somebody comes there and sets something up on it. Uh, you know, do they have a claim on it? If the person hasn't really, if it's, if it's been ignored for decades upon decades, it's a good question. Can you homestead forever without continuing to improve? See you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 